must not even be named among you, as is proper among saints. Let there be no filthiness, nor foolish talk, nor crude joking, which are out of place. But instead, let there be thanksgiving. For you may be sure of this, that everyone who is sexually immoral or impure or who is covetous, that is an idolater, has no inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of these things the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Therefore, do not become partners with them, for at one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light, for the fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and true, and try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. For it is shameful even to speak of the things that they do in secret. But when anything is exposed by the light, it becomes visible. For anything that becomes visible is light. Therefore it says, Awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Look carefully then how you walk not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time, because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God stands forever. Pray with me. Father, we pray that as we come to these words, that your spirit would illuminate their meaning for us and work by and with the word in our hearts that we might know you better and love you more and serve you with all of our heart and strength and mind. We pray this in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Uh, over the Memorial Day holiday, my sister and her husband came to visit us. And because it was my brother-in-law's birthday and a very important milestone, uh, we decided to do something different. He had on his bucket list that he wanted to hang glide. So I called up to the hang gliding school up on the mountain and we scheduled a time and we surprised Hollis and said, guess what, you're gonna fly this afternoon. Uh, at the appointed time, we went down to the landing strip down in the valley uh, there was the hang glider. Let me be honest. At this point, I was really glad that it was Hollis who was going to hang glide and not me. It's just a handful of steel struts and some nylon that's kind of spread out. Doesn't look like it could hold up to anything. 
Uh, but they strapped him in, uh, and the ultralight plane that was going to tow them to altitude didn't look like much either. Uh, but they took off, got up to altitude, the ultralight cut the cable, and then an updraft caught the uh, hang glider and raised it 500 feet uh, above Lookout Mountain. It was the most amazing thing. They were so high up there, we couldn't even make out uh, that the pilot and my brother-in-law were hanging under this craft. And for the next 20 minutes, Hollis got to soar. Don't you want to soar in this life? I have to admit, sometimes it's hard. On Tuesday this week, we received an email from President Derek Halverson uh, telling us of the birth of three covenant children within our community, one of whom is right here in the front, well, the second row, uh, Julia uh, Jones, Cassandra, and Gareth's daughter. And we rejoiced. These three beautiful covenant children coming into the world. And then on Thursday, Derek sent out an email to tell the covenant community that one of our beloved colleagues and brothers had gone to be with the Lord. Psalm 121, the Lord will watch over your coming in and your going out forevermore. Sometimes it's hard to soar. But as I watched my brother-in-law that day, I thought about Isaiah 40, right? Do you not know, have you not heard? Those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will what? They will soar on wings like eagles. The Lord wants his people in the midst of day-to-day -day life and all the challenges and joys and sorrows that it brings to soar. And Paul's going to use a different metaphor. He's going to be talking about walking in the ways of the Lord, but the focus is the same, that we don't keep our eyes on our circumstances. We don't look down at the ground as it were, but we keep our eyes fixed on Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. And Paul will call us to walk in love and to walk in the light and to walk in wisdom and power in the Holy Spirit. First of all, he calls us to walk in love. I love it when Paul says, therefore, uh, be imitators of God as beloved children. Therefore means look at what came before. In chapter 4, verse 1, he says, I urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you've been called. That goes right back to the beginning of chapter 1, where before the foundation of the world, God loved you and set his heart on you and called you to be his own. And we have the hope of his calling uh, that Brother Carl had spoken about. And we know that we are part of this glorious inheritance in the saints. And we have that resurrection power, which is able to do exceeding abundantly than all that we ask or even imagine. And the way that this works out in the life of the believer, the Apostle Paul says, is that we put off the old man and put on the new. Look over at chapter 4, verse 20. That's not the way that you learn Christ. That is the way the pagans think. Rather, you were taught in him, as the truth is in Jesus, to put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life, and is corrupt through deceitful desires, and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds, and to put on the new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness 
And that will result in this, that verse 32, we will as God's people be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. And Paul says, therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love. If this is true, if this is what has happened, that God, before he created Lookout Mountain, loved you and knew you and called you by name, and if he has raised you from death to life, then he has placed you here to walk in love, the love of Christ, and that will have implications. The scholars would say that this material is ethical exhortation, and it will lead us into the household codes that we're going to look at the next um, several Sundays. But here's the thing that I want us to focus on. Our faith in Christ must change us. And the Apostle Paul says it's going to change us in these ways. Here's what walking in love looks like. It will change our conduct. Sexual immorality and all impurity or covetousness must not even be named among you as is proper among saints. There is never to be among the people of God that which pertains to the brokenness of the world in this regard. We're not to be drawn to sexual immortality, to pornea. We're not to be drawn to impurity and covetousness, Paul will say, is actually coveting, coveting against God. It is wanting to put ourselves in God's place. It's idolatry. It's worshiping the created rather than the creator. And Paul says, never should this be said about us. It should change our speech. Let there be no filthiness, nor foolish talk, nor crude joking, which are out of place. Beloved, it is not Christian liberty to demean or slander or diminish those around us, much less to speak about them in ways that unbelievers speak about one another. Paul says our speech is to build up, it is to edify, it is to be words of love. Let there be no filthiness or foolish talk or crude joking. Instead, let there be thanksgiving. You and I are to be people who have an attitude of gratitude in every circumstance. To do that is actually, Francis Schaeffer says in True Spirituality, to love the Lord our God in that present moment. Uh, Schaeffer said this. He said, a quiet disposition and a heart giving thanks is the real test of the extent to which we love God at that moment. Are you and I able to be thankful? Put it this way, are we able to trust the Lord's providence in our lives? To believe that we are his beloved, that he is for us, and to express that in gratitude even when we don't understand what he's doing? Are we going to be drawn to foolish speculation and talk, complaining against the ways of God, demeaning his glory, worshiping our intellect rather than his wisdom. Paul says, if you are walking in love, it will change the way you live. Soren Kierkegaard, in his work, Either Or, 
uh, made this observation about the distinction between love and lust. He said what distinguishes love from lust is that it bears the impress of eternity. Our conduct, our speech, our attitudes should bear the impress of eternity. They should be God-oriented, God-focused, Christ-centered. Uh, the motivation for this obedience comes from the one who loved us and gave himself for us. Keller will talk about Jesus who lived the life you and I could never live. And so his righteousness is credited to us and, re credited to us and received by faith. Uh, he died the death you and I dared never die, bearing the sins that we have committed in thought, word, and deed. And the imputation of Adam's sin, bearing that on the cross in our place so that we could be called out of darkness into his glorious light. Our motivation, our ground of obedience is what Jesus has done for us. And beloved, that means you and I should watch how we walk. We need to watch how we walk. Uh, David Jackman, the great British preacher, said that Christians need to beware of taking day trips into the kingdom of this world. What do I mean? Well, um, I don't know. You might have missed it uh, if you weren't paying attention. But for a period of two or three days, all of the news media, about three or four weeks ago, all they could talk about was some television show um, on HBO called Game of Thrones. I have never seen it. Uh, but I have read about it. Two years ago, uh, Time Magazine ran a 20-page special on this TV show that they called the greatest show on earth. Uh, 20 pages of photos and charts and text. And here's why it was so significant. This show that has captivated the heart of America. The author said arguably the most groundbreaking element was a willingness to ruthlessly murder its stars. Thrones had by then become a pace setter for all of TV for its willingness to forego a simple happy ending in favor of delivering pleasure through brutality. Do you see the contrast? This is what we celebrate as a culture? This is what we hold up as high art? Paul says, no, that's not love, that's lust. Love bears the impress of eternity. It will change the way you walk. It will mean that you're kind-hearted, that you're forgiving others as God and Christ forgave you, that you watch the way you live, uh, you keep your eyes focused on where you go, what shapes your conversation, what shapes your mind. And beloved, if it is our phones that are shaping us more than the word, we're in deep trouble, right? Where to be those that attract people to Jesus? VBS is coming up, right? What an opportunity at no time during the year probably, except maybe Christmas and Easter, do you connect more um, tangibly with the people of this community? Not just the children, but their parents and extended families as you show them the love of Christ and show them a different way to live. Paul says, walk in love. One of my heroes um, is G.K. Chesterton. Uh, when I was a law student at the University of Missouri, I sometimes would get bored reading appellate cases, so I would wander the stacks of the library, and I found, believe it or not, an entire shelf dedicated to all the works of G.K. Chesterton, uh, the great Christian journalist. 
And so I read his book on orthodoxy and his book on heretics. And I read a very odd book called The Man Who Was Thursday. Uh, but the book that captured my heart to this very day were the Father Brown Mysteries. And the BBC has taken a little liberty uh, with the Father Brown stories. But nonetheless, here's the deal. Father Brown is a Roman Catholic priest who goes into the dark places in order to shine the light of Christ. He will go to anyone, uncover what is going on, and tell them about the hope that could be theirs. You see, that's what it means to walk in love, to not simply separate from our neighbors, but to get down into the trenches with them, with the issues they're struggling with, and to show them the one who could be their hope and the power that could be theirs in Christ. And then to shine the light of Jesus. We're not just walking in love. We're supposed to walk in the light. Uh, look what Paul says uh, down in verse 7. Therefore, don't become partners with them. That is, with pagan unbelievers. For at one time you were darkness, but now you're light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. For the fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and true. And try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. For it's shameful even to speak of the things that they do in secret. But when anything is exposed by the light, it becomes visible. For anything that becomes visible is light. And therefore it says, awake, O sleeper, arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Paul says, walk in the light as beloved children of God, because you are light. Uh, recalls the words of Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount. You are the salt of the earth. Uh, you give zing, you bring flavor, you arrest decay, and you are the light of the world. When you shine into the darkness, you drive the darkness away. And as children of light, Paul says, walk in the light. That means revealing the fruit of the light, which Paul says is to talk about that which is good and right and true. Not to get caught up in conversation or action that leads people astray. To discern what is pleasing to the Lord. What's pleasing to the Lord that we would love him with all of our heart and soul and mind. We would wake up every morning, as we said last week, and say, Holy Spirit, I don't know what you've got for me today, but let me today walk in the power of your spirit. Let me show Jesus to everybody I encounter. Is that hard? No, it's not hard. It's impossible, apart from the power of the Holy Spirit. But it's what we're called to. We're to be the light. And Paul says, don't even partner with those who do deeds of darkness. Rather, expose them. Now here, I want to be very clear. Paul is talking about calling out the deeds of darkness for what they are. He is not saying that it's our place to bring judgment down upon the people who do them. Rather, we are called to them to show them the light, to tell them of the hope that could be theirs in Christ. Exposing the deeds of darkness, but drawing them to the light that is in Jesus. That's why he says, 
uh, quoting an early Christian hymn, which certainly appears to be connecting intertextually with Isaiah 60. Arise, shine, wake up, that we would say to them, come into the light, come into the life that is in Christ that they might actually be raised from the dead. That as believers, we would say to ourselves, snap out of the stupor that is ours and see what pleases the Lord, see what the real issues of are in our day and to pursue lives that declare the righteousness and the light of God, speaking that which is true and that which is good and that which is Right. Um, I told you last week about my adventures on the John Muir Trail in the Sierra Nevada. So um, one of the, the technical things you deal with as a backpacker has to do with water purification. When I was a teenager, I would just drink uh, from mountain streams. I drank out of Lake Superior. Uh, if it wasn't a swamp, I wouldn't bother to boil. Didn't do any treatment at all. Didn't seem to be any worse for wear. Uh, Barb is, Michael is having a stroke right now because she knows that there is Giardia pretty much everywhere in every water source in the United States. So now we have to do something. Uh, well, we don't want to carry heavy pumps uh, that clog filters. Uh, so many of us will use a drip filter, but that takes a really long time uh, to get the water through. One of my buddies, one day at a water break, pulled out a little three-inch object. It, it looks sort of like a thermometer, come to think of it. And he stuck it down into an open bottle of creek water and flipped a switch and light filled the bottle for about two minutes. And then he switched it off and proceeded to chug. Uh, it's called a SteriPen in case you're interested and it uses ultraviolet light to disinfect, to kill the bacteria, to kill the protozoa and all the other uh, things that are in that river water. Paul, if I can mix my metaphors here, is saying walk in the light in such a way that you and I have that kind of effect on the darkness. That as we go, we expose it, if you will, we disinfect it with the love of Christ and the power of the gospel and the power of the spirit and we draw men and women and boys and girls to new faith in Jesus. We walk in love as we walk in the light, but the only way we're gonna do this is if we walk in the wisdom and power of the Holy Spirit. Verse 15, Paul says, look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. In the old King James, it said, redeem the time. I never quite understood what that meant. It means make the most of every opportunity you and I have today. Yesterday is gone. There are no mulligans or do-overs. Tomorrow is never guaranteed to us. Today is the day we have to love, to live, to serve, to praise, to worship, to share Jesus, make the most of the day God has given us. The word there for time is not chronos, from which we get our chronometers, our watches. It's not talking about hours and minutes. It's kairos, opportunity. 
Uh, this is a time that God has set that will never be again where you and I can live as the people of God. Paul says, understand what the Lord of the will is. And he doesn't mean here God's personal will for your life. He means God's will in Christ to redeem his cosmos to bring men and women and boys and girls from every people, tribe, and tongue into the kingdom of Christ to renew the heaven and the earth, to put an end to violence, to punish, finally, those who are in rebellion against the king, to bring his glory to its consummation. Paul says, live as missional people. Listen, you get up in the morning and you go out to your job, whatever it is, whether you're a homemaker or you're a car maker or a farmer or a lawyer, a doctor, a veterinarian, whatever it is, you do it in the power of the Holy Spirit. You do it for the glory of Christ and you go as an ambassador of Jesus so that in the way you walk, the words you speak, the life you live, the excellence of the work you do, you put people on notice that Jesus is alive and coming again. Now, I'm not saying you take your work time and use that to do evangelism per se, but rather by the kind of person you are, living as an ambassador of Christ, you shine the light. You reveal the wisdom and the power of God's Holy Spirit in you. Paul says, make the most of every day. Make the most of every opportunity. Uh, discern what pleases the Lord. Don't get drunk with wine. That's not Christian liberty. Paul says, that's debauchery. You and I need our wits about us. We need to see things clearly. What the stakes are. That while we dither and while we're distracted, do you know the average millennial spends nine hours a day on their phone? I wonder how many hours moms and dads and preachers spend on their phones. While we allow the enemy to distract us with trivia, men and women and boys and girls are going into eternity. They need to hear about the king. They need to be called into the kingdom. Paul says, get it straight. Keep your eyes focused. Be filled with the wisdom of God and the power of God. So don't get drunk on wine. Rather, address one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart. And Scott Finch is going, amen. Yes, I've been telling you this all the time, right? Uh, Paul is giving a series of participles here that describe what it means to be those who walk in love. If we're walking in love, we will be addressing one another with praise directed towards God. It'll be in our speech. It'll be in our singing and our corporate worship, but also uh, when we're just wandering through the day, right? I can always tell a music major, Scott, because they're always singing, and they're always singing about Jesus, and it lifts my heart and I hope you and I can do the same for one another, whether we're reciting the Psalms or whether we are singing spiritual songs like the glorious one we sang a few minutes ago. We are making melody in our heart to the Lord because our lives belong to him. We're not our own. We were bought with a price. And so we go through life singing, Paul says. We go through life singing praise 
reminding one another of the truths of the gospel, and giving thanks always and in every situation. Is that hard? Yes, it is. There are things that break our hearts. How do we thank God? Well, we thank God that he's in control. I wouldn't get out of bed if I thought it otherwise. If I thought that we were living in a random world of chance plus time, as orphans, who would have enough courage to face the day? But knowing that the Father is in control, no, I don't always understand what he's doing. Sometimes he brings hard things in our lives because he's doing something to make us holy in his sight. When my daughter was four years old, she had to have her tonsils removed. Um, I made the mistake of being the one that took her to the hospital. Don't remember what was going on with Kathy and David, but I took her, I'd given her a stuffy, um, and we were singing songs, Raffi songs, and vacation Bible school songs, and she was happy, and I said, honey, it's going to be just fine. And after the surgery, which we had to do, uh, because she was having all kinds of trouble with her ears, uh, earaches and such, she didn't speak to me for three days. She talked to her brother, she talked to the nurses, the doctors, to her mother, but she would not speak to me because I let them hurt her. How could a four-year-old understand why I was doing this? How I had her best at heart? You and I sometimes do not understand what the Father is doing, but he is a loving Father. Beloved, we can trust him. We must trust him. And so we give thanks in every and all situation because he's in control. And he's working everything out for his glory, certainly, but ultimately for our good. And we walk in the wisdom and power of the Holy Spirit. The text says, be filled with the Spirit. I think that always confuses us. It makes us think of the Holy Spirit as a liquid. Um, the Greek could also, Peter O'Brien observes, be translated, be filled by the Spirit. Uh, the idea would be then, be filled by the Holy Spirit with the fullness of Christ. That ties back into chapter 4, 13, that we're going to grow up in Christ until we obtain the full stature of Jesus himself and become like him. It is the Holy Spirit who is going to enable us to walk in love and to walk in the light and to walk in his wisdom and power. Paul says, desire that, pursue it. Let it be what is most distinctive about your life. As you give thanks to God the Father in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. A mutual submission, we're going to talk more about that in the weeks ahead. During the time we lived in Tanzania, uh, there was a missionary that just drove me crazy. He was German. He was of an aristocratic background. Uh, he did not have much to say good about Americans. And so while we were in language school, Pastor Klaus drove me crazy. He was always making jokes about Americans. And I find myself really having a hard time loving him wanting to be around him until somebody came up to me and said, do you know what Klaus does on the Lord's Day? I said, well, yeah, he preaches in the chapel here to the students. He said, yeah, he does that. And then after that, he gets his Jeep and he takes it four hours up into the mountains, gets to the end of the road, walks another two hours to a little stone church. And I've been there, it's not much. It's about 
the first three or four pews here. Didn't even have a roof. Where he brings the word in the sacraments to a handful of Christians on the mountain. And I thought, wow, I wouldn't do that. And then he goes into the villages to be a shepherd. Those villages were Muslim. Only a handful of believers up there. But Klaus would go and he would be the hands and feet of Jesus so that when one of these Muslim families had a death um, or they had a crisis, they didn't call for their imam. They called for the bringer of the word, Pastor Klaus, to come and tell them of the hope that they could have in Jesus. Beloved, that's a good picture of what we're to be. We are those bought by the blood of the Lamb, called to walk in love, to display his light in a dark world, to drive the darkness out, and to do it not in our own strength, but in the strength and wisdom and power of the Holy Spirit who lives in us. Glory. What greater calling could we ask? Pray with me. Father God, we pray that you would be at work in our hearts and lives, that we would walk worthily of the calling you have given us, that you would give us transformed minds by the power of your spirit that would result in transformed lives that would walk in your ways and call the nations to Jesus. We pray this in his name. Amen.